When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to Reaction Time. I'm Jacqueline Cordova and I'm, host- I'm hosted. I am joined by my co-host, Ben Visser. Ben and I have exciting news to share tonight or today. I guess you guys will be hearing this Wednesday, but we officially have a sponsor. Thanks to our friends at Fairway. They are officially the sponsors of the uh, rest of the season's wrestling content. So shout out to our friends at Fairway. They're huge wrestling fans, um, something that was super exciting to learn. Um, So thanks, Fairway. Obviously, go do all your shopping there. They care about wrestling. They care about the product that we're putting out here. So super excited to have them on board with Ben and I as we cover the rest of the season, especially this week, as we are excited to talk about you and I. But of course, we'll first start with what went down this weekend. Iowa State hosted West Virginia Friday night and then Air Force on Saturday afternoon. Um, Ben, hello. How are you today? Jackie, I am wonderful. Um, Thank you for asking. And yeah, West Virginia Air Force, I think they went generally how we expected them to. In most cases, I think West Virginia had a few surprises in it, uh, but the final score ended up being, I think, in line with what we expected. Uh, The Mountaineers started off with two straight wins, which was something we weren't expecting. Um, Peyton Hall beat Isaac Judge 4-3, to which that's one of those things where, yeah, you can see it. But then 174, um, Dennis Rodman, Robin, not Rodman, sorry. (laughs) That's an old basketball player. We're talking about wrestling. Dennis Robin um, pinned Joel Devine at 174 in a minute, nine seconds. And that was one of those where I think Joel got in on a shot and he got too bunched up. And if memory serves, Dennis Robin um, cradled him and that it wasn't a great start for sure. I mean, Iowa state started that dual meet down nine to zero and um, that wasn't a good loss for divine. That wasn't a way you want to lose. So um, that was a little bit rough, but Jack, I think you told me something before we started that he had a pretty excellent quote after that match. He did. Um, you know, it's always fun when we get the guys that don't usually come in for media availability or, um, really duels like post duel. Um, just because you never know what you're going to get with these guys. 
But Joel came in and I told Ryan, the SID, that that Joel's um, statement had to have been the best soundbite we've gotten all season. And I'm pulling it up so I can tell you guys what it is. But Joel was asked um, basically like, this is actually, oh no, this was actually his quote on Saturday. He was asked how he felt because not to get ahead of ourselves, but Joel went in and bounced back on Saturday and won. And so he was asked a question, um, about how important it was for him to get that bounce, you know, to bounce back, uh, be able to close out the weekend with the win. And Joel said, I found myself getting pinned by a guy who sucked. <laughs> and that's, not, I'm not like that's verbatim. That's exactly what he said. And it is, I, it's one of those things where this is why I love wrestlers because they are so off the cuff. They have no filter. I think as much as you want to try and hone them in as like the SID, you can only do so much. And in this situation, I think, you know, Joel wasn't wrong. No one expected the match to go the way it did. So I really appreciated his uh, transparency. And then he went on to add um, some more context just about how he went home and really pondered that loss for an hour by himself, which I think is important on um, coaches. I think really across the board in all sports always say it's really important how you respond to a loss. And Joel went home and reflected for an hour. And then the next day he said he woke up ready to, you know, have a fresh start, show himself that he can go out there and fight. And he did. And he, Another thing that he said that I really loved um, was that he looked back at the guy he lost to at Oklahoma State, um, how well, he didn't lose to him. Um, he said the guy he had wrestled at Oklahoma State had gotten pinned the night before. And for some reason that stuck with him. And he said if the Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State guy can get pinned the night before and come back and have a good day the next day, then so can I just because you don't tend to hear other athletes necessarily, especially in wrestling, talk about their opponents or use their opponents as examples of what they want to be. So I thought this was like probably the best soundbite we've had all season. Yeah, no, that was fantastic. And it shows, like you said, he was able to reflect on the loss, learn from the loss. And he came back the next day against air force and won a match, which is what you want to see. If you're going to lose, if you're going to get pinned by someone, come back the next day, come back your next match and show that you're better than your last match. So um, that was positive from divine after something not so positive, but going back to West Virginia again, um, after being down nine to zero, I started reevaluating if whether or not I knew wrestling, um, <laughs> but then Marcus Coleman made me look smart. Um, he pinned Anthony Carmen in a minute, 14 seconds. And that really got Iowa state turned around. And then, we can talk quite a bit about this match, but younger Bastida won by tech fall against Jackson Mumau, 23 to eight. Um, and I'll say this first, it's really, really fun to watch younger Bastida wrestle an overmatched opponent. Like David Carr is the obvious draw for Iowa state wrestling. And he, he should be as the national champion and being the, the number one guy and being David Carr but I'm not sure anything is more entertaining than younger Bastida wrestling an overmatched opponent, especially an opponent that literally slapped him upside the head during a match. And when I saw that happen and when I saw younger's face after <laughs> Moomau literally slapped him in the head, I'm just like, Oh my God, this Moomau kid is going to get a butt kick and he didn't ask for it. He did ask for it. 
but the ref stepped in between them. And I think he told younger to, Hey, calm down that you're right. He hits you in the face, but we just need to calm down. So you were, you were there, you were Matt's side. Take me through your perspective of that younger Bastida Jackson Mumau um, exchange, if you will. You know, it's one of those things um, where on Friday night, especially I felt that having, it was honestly a pretty good crowd. I can't, I can honestly tell you exactly how many people were there. I have it up. It was the exact number was 3,654 people were in attendance, but honestly it felt like there was more and the overall atmosphere they had, uh, the cyclone alley people or the students there. So like overall the energy was pretty, pretty hyped. And so there was a lot of people just screaming their heads off. So there was just kind of a vibe. Um, and when he slapped younger, I'm not kidding you. It was so loud. Like it wasn't like a normal, like, Oh, two wrestlers, you know, kind of like slapping each other back and forth. But this was like a full, I wish I could like play the sound for everyone who wasn't there, but it was loud. It was disrespectful, which is exactly how younger looked. And you know, like you said, the ref definitely was kind of like, all right, let's take a second. And younger, <laughs> I have a photo and I tweeted it and I'll tweet it again, but younger was just so over it when thankfully the side I was sitting on, um, when younger did kind of like prop himself up at the end of the match, he just kind of looked at me. <laughs> he was just like WTF. I'm not going to say the word, but he just, <laughs> it, it was written all over his face. And my favorite part of the situation was sitting there. So younger kind of steps back and he did this. I thought it was such a power move. He bent down and tied the shoelace. It wasn't untied. He just tightened it up and then just like kind of dusted it off. So I was just like, Oh, this is going to be bad. And, uh, coach Fernando, I am spacing his last name. I'm so sorry, coach. He, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Coach Fernando speaks Spanish. He's able to communicate with younger a little better than the other coaches. So a lot of the time uh, he coaches younger from in the coach's corner in Spanish. And I don't tend to speak Spanish, but I'm going to use it on this podcast so you guys can understand. But I'm not kidding you for a solid minute. He just kept saying calmado, which means like stay calm in Spanish. And he just kept repeating it, kept repeating it because younger's face just said, I'm going to murder this guy. And he proceeded to <laughs> score as many physical takedowns as he could get in that period. It was a very intense, in a very intense match. <laughs> that guy so takedowns that they had to stop the match. I mean, that's yeah. what it was. He won by tech fall. He got too many takedowns. Like, okay, we're done here. Let's move on. That's what happened. <laughs> 23 to eight was the final score of that match with um, 10 takedowns, 10. He took Jackson Mumau down 10 times. And like, <laughs> I get it. If you're Jackson Mumau, you're frustrated. You're getting your butt handed to you. So yeah, you're frustrated. You slap a guy, but don't slap the guy that's already taken you down like four or five times and is physically just way stronger and more physical than you. Just don't go there, take your beating and hang your head and go try to, wrestle again better the next day, but yeah, boy, that was 10 takedowns. That's all I'll say. I, uh, I am definitely curious. <laughs> I love thinking of the rematches we'll have in Tulsa, but if I was Jackson, I would be scared because I don't think younger is going to forget that coaches have time and time again said that he is a very competitive hates to lose like, and he's 
obviously currently, and I know we'll get into this. He's, I think in a prime spot of his growth and his response to wanting the growth, like the way he's responding to the excite coach described him as a kid this weekend. And one of the pressers, I think it was Saturdays, um, just about how younger is so excited to continue to change how he's wrestling and improve in those areas and his confidence. And he's a sponge. I think that's one of my favorite, uh, ways to describe athletes is he's a sponge right now. So if this is how he is right now. I can only imagine in a few weeks when he knows it matters the most <laughs> and he's gonna Jackson is, you know, hope he's okay. Hope he's doing okay. Jackson better pray that he's on the opposite end of the bracket in Tulsa. He, if, if, uh, if younger's on the bottom side of the bracket, boy, Moomaw better pray he's on the top side of the bracket facing the number one guy, probably Steven Buchanan or AJ Ferrari. If AJ Ferrari's back by that time, that's, that's Jackson Moomaw's best course of action. If, if he's on the bottom side of the bracket and he's face ready to face off with younger Bastido, who's probably going to be the three seed most likely, uh, is not going to have a fun time. It'll be another 10 takedown match probably. Um, and you know, the thing is, is that I tweeted this too, but it seemed like this was a strategy. Everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, but a, a few of the West Virginia guys had this strategy of just smacking around the Iowa state guys. And the one that I remember the most, there was another one outside of this, but at 149, Jarrett, uh, Dagan went against Jeffrey Boyd and at one point Boyd slapped him pretty hard. It yeah. wasn't quite as hard as Jackson and Momo with younger, but he slapped him and Dagan slapped him right back. And then Boyd did it back. So it was literally like a quick back and forth to the point where the ref had to call them like, Hey guys, come on, let's, let's get back to action. So yeah, that's I think one you way. Classify those and the Dagan match as a hard club. If you will, those are just <laughs> hard clubs. The Jackson Mumau one was literally like hand to head slap. And it was like, you don't see that too often in wrestling like Jarrett and his opponent definitely gotten a little bit of a slap fight, but you could classify those as a hard club, but yeah, no, that was West Virginia definitely got frustrated at times in that dual meet. And, you know, I guess one way to, one way to handle that is to get a good slap in, I guess. <laughs> I suppose. Um, <laughs> Oh, looking back. I just, like I told you earlier, good old Randy Peterson from the register when I was a lot younger and getting ready to graduate, he always told me that you hold your composure when you are the media, when you are mad side, when you are on the court, when you're in press row, you are there to do your job. But when I heard that, it actually kind of like shocked me. And I think if the camera would have been on my face, you would have seen it. Like my camera was down when it happened. <laughs> well, you don't so, expect a grown man to slap, slap another grown man in a wrestling meet. So, no. but you know, ultimately Iowa state did their job. They won 31 to nine. So, yeah. And I think the last thing I want to touch on uh, from that match was Kyson Terrakeen at 125 beat number five, Killian Cardinal six to five. Um, that was Kyson's second straight top six win the week before he beat um, Oklahoma State's Trevor Mastro Giovanni. Um, so Kyson has had an incredible couple weeks now. Um, he's still not getting the respect I think he deserves in the rankings. He's ranked number 18. I That's according to Intermat. I would have Kyson near the top 10, I think. I think I'd have him ranked 10 or 11 or so. Um, 
but two straight top two straight top six wins, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I think is really he's announced himself that hey, I'm here to contend for a round of twelve. I'm here to be in the blood round and try to be an all American. So um yeah, Kyson Terkeen is really coming on at the right time. And so I think that was the last really notable thing that happened in that West Virginia match. Well, and in the post duel presser, I asked him, you know, how that, you know, what that has been like for him, you know, to be the guy who's, you know, making these notable wins. And he said something that stood out to me. He, he said that when he looks at his opponents, he looks at them like they're just normal people, like they're just any other average person. And so he channels those thoughts into his quote was, I know I should be beating this guys. And it feels good to know that I'm do that. What I'm doing is paying off. So when you have these, you know, top ranked wins, I don't know how you believe anything other than you are as good as you're coming off the mat, you know? And so I do, I do like that mentality of, you know, cause you hear it preached so often, like, Oh, we're just focused on the next opponent or, Oh, I, I don't see the ratings. I rankings. I'm just going into it like any other match. And I know they, <laughs> you say it long enough, we're going to start to believe it. But I think in Kyson's situation, he's showing that that's actually true to him. Um, he truly, you know, talks himself through that. He is just as good as any of these guys, regardless of the rankings and he will beat them and he knows he should. And he is. So even if it involves, you know, making a small mistake at one moment, but being able to claw your way back, um, which I think the important part is that he can claw his way back. Yeah. One quote from Derek St. John last year always sticks out to me. And I don't remember why we talked to Derek that specific week, but, and I don't remember what week it was, but for some reason we talked to Derek, Derek St. John last year. And he said, Kyson Tarakina doesn't realize how good he is. Once he realizes how good he is, he's going to be tough to beat. And I think we're starting to see now Kyson realize how good he is. He's realized that he can be, or he can beat top five wrestlers. So it'll be really, um, I'm interested to see how he performs as the season progresses. And as we get closer to March and big 12 championships and NCAA championships and things like that, to see if he can continue, um, what he's proven he can do. And I think even his demeanor, I, I like when we get to talk to Kyson, which, you know, we actually have done quite often. He just has like, I don't know how to describe it. Like he has that like arrogance that you look for in a wrestler. You know what I mean? Like it's not a bad night, ne- like negative arrogance. It's like a good arrogance. It's the arrogance you want from your guys. And he's still pretty young. So I think to see him have that already is really exciting in terms of just how dangerous he's going to be. I think the most notable thing coach said about him is that the biggest thing that he's seeing from Kyson is that he's buying in not only on the mat or in the practice room, but in the little things like, managing your weight, going to bed on time, making sure you're eating the right things or making choices that ultimately are only making you a better athlete. And I know coach has always been really hard on his team about those little details every year. I, I can think of at least one time he said it where the younger guys were letting him down. And so I think for him to make that comment about a wrestler is because they're doing it at like a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. No dresser's not afraid to call people out for not doing the little things. I remember, I think it was two years ago. Now he said he's going to have to micromanage his whole team. So yeah, when, when coach Kevin dresser gives the compliment of they're doing the little things, right. 
he doesn't say that lightly. Like he reserves those comments for Ian Parker, David Carr only. So if he's saying it about someone else, that means they're really doing those things the right way. So good on Kyson Tarakina. And it's funny you bring up that, <laughs> that duel. Cause it was, it was an, it was after an Oklahoma state loss. I'm pretty mm. sure because I, tra- I transcribed it and I tweeted it. And I think he told me, I want to say maybe last year or this year, he was like, I got into a little bit of heat for that one. He <laughs> just went in on everyone and basically said it was when he said the like iconic that I, I did not lose today. I was not responsible for today's loss. This was them. So yep, I remember that love Kevin Dresser, <laughs> but yes, no, I agree. Kyson's win was definitely notable over another top six opponent. And then everything else from West Virginia, I think was pretty much as expected and a bunch of ranked guys beat a, beat a bunch of unranked guys. So 31 to nine, pretty much what you'd expect. Um, and then air force the following day, I think that went pretty much as expected. Iowa state won that 27 to 12. And if that sounds closer than it technically should have been, it's probably because Ian Parker didn't wrestle at 141, And then David Carr didn't wrestle at 157. Um, Jack, you might know more about this, but I don't believe either one of those is dealing with an injury. I think they just got rest and they're getting ready for you and I. Yeah. I think it was just an opportunity to give these guys like Charlie Clips is graduating. So I think this is just a good, it was good timing to give Charlie that opportunity, you know, to get his chance, run out the tunnel, get in that final, uh, match under his belt before being done at Hilton. Um, and then, you know, 157. I really thought David was going into you and I with his 50th win, but you know, things change. I think if you look at the schedule, it just sets uh, David to close out the dual season with a 50 with lucky number 50, I should say. So yeah, it sounds closer than it should be, I guess, but the, there's your two holes, I should say, I guess, or yep. not normal starters. Yeah. The two, yeah, what you wouldn't expect. But I mean, other than that, I think it went pretty much how we both expected it to go. Younger Bastida got another tech fall. 21 to six was this one. Um, you might be surprised to hear this, but Air Force had much more composure than West Virginia. So Younger did not get slapped <laughs> in the face, but he still won 21 to six, which is good to see. Uh, Marcus Coleman got his second pin of the weekend. And I think we saw it last year um, going right into big 12s. Marcus Coleman really got going. I think he pinned his first two or three matches, first two matches at um, the big 12s and even going in the NCAA tournament, I think he got a pin or two. So for some reason, Marcus Coleman at the end of seasons, man, he starts locking up those cradles and those pin holds and he gets after it. And I think we're starting to see that, which is he's already a top eight wrestler. He's already put himself in that all American conversation. If he starts pinning guys left and right again, man, he's going to be dangerous. I mean, I, he's currently on 12 straight wins and it was last year, um, or the last tournament and big 12s when I, I can't remember if someone else said it or if I started saying it, but I just remember I started t- tweeting, calling him Marcus pin machine Coleman <laughs> because it was just like pin after pin after pin. So, um, yes, it is. Like we said, it is really exciting the way he's stepping up. He's coming back next season, which I think is really huge. Yes. Um, yeah. To come back and use that extra year. Um, if he's feeling himself right now, 
and continues to feel himself. No idea how he'll end the season, but I think regardless, he's going to have a good, a good closeout and to have a guy that consistent and a guy who has reached that level of maturity is going to be huge for dresser, given that he's losing someone as mature as Ian Parker, who has been his go-to like key mature guy, consistent, um, like role model of the team, I should say. So that was definitely, he, I asked him in the final on Friday night, I said, a very obvious question of, so why didn't you walk through senior introductions? And he just laughed and said, I'm coming back. What did he say? Like make note of that or note that or something. So, um, not a man of many words, but <laughs> what he does. So definitely excited to have him back to see how excited to see how he finishes the season and excited to see what he can do in that final extra year. For sure. And then Kyson Terakina at 125 beat um, Jared Van Vliet, eight to six. Jared Van Vliet for Air Force isn't ranked this year, but last year he was ranked as high as number 11. Uh, he did, he was an NCAA qualifier. He did have two wins at the NCAA tournament. Jared Van Vliet did. So even though he's not quite having the season he did last year, Kyson beating a wrestler of that caliber, again, I think it just goes to show what kind of um, role that Kyson Terkin is on and how much he's feeling himself, which Jack, you've already mentioned. So, um, that was really good to see that he just continued that role. Well, I feel like coach always talks about how it's really important for him to get the guys, you know, through the motions of a long weekend, back-to-back matches going through weigh-ins. And so I feel like the fact that he's able to have that win under his belt over a guy who's been through it, um, I think says a lot. I don't know if on paper, it might mean a lot, but I think if those things didn't matter, then we wouldn't see guys being weighed in when they're not actually going to be able to wrestle. So I think definitely uh, another notable win with some few nuggets for him. So like you said, very highly, I think underranked for what he's shown he's capable of doing. Yeah. Um, and then let's see what else do we got for air force, you know, Unfortunately, we can talk about the bad Sam Schuyler lost in his match, uh, got pinned by Wyatt Hendrickson, which is air forces key guy. He's ranked number six. I, he might be ranked. Is he still number six this week? I actually he did not number see six that. Still. Yeah. He's still okay. number six undefeated 16 and 0. I think he should be ranked higher technically, but there they got him under ranked just like they got Kyson under ranked, but that is what it is. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that kind of wrestling rankings, Jackie, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's definitely, I mean, you said, which was it when magazine has Ramazan Win magazine has Ramazan out of sight of ranked higher than Kyson Tarakino and no offense to Ramazan. He's a good wrestler, but I'm not sure that there's a world where Kyson it shouldn't be higher ranked than Ramazan. I think they have Ramazan at like 13 or something. And then Kyson at 15 and that that's to me, that's not correct, but maybe I'll be proven wrong. Maybe Ramazan will come on strong, do all well big 12s and then go to the round of 12 at the NCAA tournament. Like when has him predicted to do, but according to his ranking, but we'll see, like I said, nothing against Ramazan good wrestler, but I think Kyson has a, a leg up on him. He has a lot more quality wins. He has less losses. And it it is what it is. Rankings are interesting things. They're tough. I understand. I mean, I, and I think I said this probably maybe in our very first episode that 
it's hard with rankings. I feel like, especially this season, because I don't feel they're necessarily as accurate. Is David Carr number one in the nation? Yeah, I I do believe that. But then you look at a guy like Tyson and it's like, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing there? But um as long as they're as long as they can back it up. And that's what Tyson's doing at least. So at least we know that he is proving <laughs> that he is good enough and his ranking in this case does not define him. No, no, it does not. But, um, yeah, I feel like that was the main one for the weekend. Sucks to see Sam get that loss, but at least you can say it was over a top guy. So it's not like he got pinned by a guy that sucked per the words (laughs) of Joel Devine. Um, (laughs) Sam still has a good record. He's 13 and three now yeah and he, he had, like i think he beat three or four straight ranked guys before that match too so he was on a pretty good roll himself getting pinned by a top 10 guy that's nothing to really hang your head about as long as you can go back look at the film learn from what happened if memory serves me correct he got in on a shot and he got a little bit too bunched up when you get bunched up in heavyweight um bad things can happen i think that's pretty much what happened especially because sam is an undersized heavyweight um so i think if you listen to the um, the play-by-play that Kyvin Gatson does on ESPN plus Kyvin always says for a guy like, um, Sam get outside. You don't want to be underneath a heavyweight. You want to get your swing singles and things like that. Um, and when we saw Sam shoot, he shot right into the leg of, um, Hendrickson and yeah, he put his weight on him, got him bunched up and pinned him. So, um, I think, I think Skyler will be able to learn from it. I think he'll be able to use his athleticism or his lack of weight because he's not a big heavyweight in his favor in the future. I think this is, this should be a good learning, learning lesson for him. And Sam, who is a red shirt senior is also coming back. Good to know. I, I think will be pretty good also for um, dresser just because, you know, losing Gannon Grummel, who, has now joined the game. He's back in action for, uh, what Dubuque. are they? Loris. Yep. Loris. He, He's over in Dubuque, his hometown. Yes. I was going to say, for those of you who may not know, that is his hometown. So it makes sense. He came out of retirement, <laughs> his brief retirement, but he left Iowa state and, you know, it was pretty concerning what was going to happen there next. Um, when you lose a guy like Gannon, um, but, you know, I think Sam is proven he's stepping up, you know, 13 wins for the season. So to have him back, I think will be good again, have a spot filled with some maturity there. And I think Sam will have that. So, um, but another thing that was notable, Jared Dagan senior final, final duel yes. in Hilton. He won. Um, not only did he win his match, but he won uh, by a major decision 11 to three. So, um, and then the other thing I wanted to share my little nugget from this weekend about younger and his takedowns. I was, I sat down to write my story and I was like, all right, let's look back through the stats and younger Bastida is currently leading the team and takedowns taken, which again, we've talked about him so much. We've talked about how dominant he is. So this should not come. 
It's not a surprise at all. But what is surprising is that as of today, after this weekend, Younger has 63 total takedowns in duels this season. And the person behind him in second place is David Carr with 38. That was a huge margin, <laughs> a huge difference between the two. It's a massive difference. I mean, takedowns, I mean, we're going to do some really basic math here, but takedowns are worth two points. So having that much of a difference, that's a lot more points that Younger is scoring right now. Um, just quick math, um, with the 63 takedowns, Younger Bastida is averaging 5.25 takedowns per match. That's essentially 10 points he's getting just off of takedowns. David Carr, obviously the best in the nation at 157. He's getting 3.8 takedowns per match. So what Younger's doing, and this goes back to what I said earlier, especially against overmatched opponents, when Younger gets an overmatched opponent, he's going to take that person down anywhere between six and 10 times, six or 11 times, whatever he needs to do to get that to a major decision or a tech fall. And Younger obviously grew up wrestling freestyle in Cuba where Freestyle is essentially takedown competition. There are turns, obviously, but mostly takedowns. So Younger has a pretty deep bag of tricks, especially um, against those overmatched opponents. And it's really fun to watch him do that. And I'm one thing I do want to say, obviously, takedowns, super impressive. The thing that Younger did this last weekend was in the midst of his takedown parade, he worked for back points against both of his opponents, West Virginia and uh, Air Force. He got back points in both of those matches, and that might not seem super notable. He won by tech fall in both. But the fact that Younger is still learning folk style, the fact that he's able to implement what he's learning in the wrestling room, take it out on the mat and get some tilts and some turns, um, I think bodes well, because like Jackie said earlier, he's a sponge right now and him taking what he's absorbed and squeezing some of that out on his opponent. Good to see. Um, yeah, I completely agree. I was just pulling up the exact quote that dresser used uh, post duel to describe him. And he said, younger wants to try to master the sport in every position right now. He's out there like a kid. He's obviously getting better at bottom. He's pretty phenomenal on his feet. He's going to get a really tough test in Missouri and his big 12 weight is loaded. We just have to keep improving, but he, he's just been great. The biggest difference with younger is they see a guy in, a, in the practice room that's willing to get uncomfortable now, which I, we've talked about this before last season when he was asked to be on bottom, when he clearly wasn't ready, not only just because he wasn't there strategy wise, but you could just tell him his confidence. He was going to be out of his comfort zone, but that is not the case. Um, and dresser said it too. If he isn't already, he's going to be a crowd favorite. And I completely agree. There's just no way you don't get excited when they call his name and have him run out of the tunnel. So that was my nugget. I hope you all enjoyed it. I was pretty, when I saw that, when I was writing my story, I was like, okay, this is, this is notable. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, so good weekend closed out the home dual season with two wins, just like we predicted. Um, but geniuses. I, yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come to us for all your, uh, lingering questions, but I would like to switch gears to the duel I'm looking forward to the most coaches, 
coach said it himself. They've had this one circled for a while. I have personally had this one circled for a while. Iowa State, you and I, they will face off on Friday. It will be in Cedar Falls. Um, Duel starts at 7 p.m. Unfortunately, will not be at West Gym, which is fine. Um, but I'm sure McLeod will be great. It can hold more people, which is the good news, given how much I think excitement is around this school. Um, yeah, I'm pretty pumped. I got my credential approved this morning. Nice. So I will be in uh, Cedar Falls and I will be Matt's side. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Awesome. Excited to um, follow your coverage for that. And then for those that haven't necessarily followed you and I and Iowa State Wrestling all that closely this year, maybe this is your first time listening to the podcast. Maybe you're interested in the you and I Iowa State matchup. Just a little brief history, just this season. So two weeks ago, you and I and Iowa State both went down to Oklahoma and wrestled Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma state was ranked the number three team in the nation. Um, on the first night, Iowa state wrestled Oklahoma beat them relatively handily. You and I wrestled Oklahoma state and Oklahoma and you and I upset number three, Oklahoma state. So that kicked off the weekend. Like, Oh, that, that opened everybody's eyes that you and I was able to do that because you and I was not ranked that high. Iowa state is ranked in that number five range. And before Oklahoma state, I think they were ranked number seven. You and I was ranked in the teens, I believe. So the fact that you and I was able to go in to Gallagher Iowa arena and beat the number three team at that time opened a lot of eyes. Then you and I wrestled Oklahoma again, beat them. So they, they swept the state of Oklahoma, Iowa state went over to Oklahoma state. They beat Oklahoma state again, relatively handily considering what you expect to get from Oklahoma state. And then, so the state of Iowa swept the state of Oklahoma that weekend and it, there, Doug Schwab, the coach of you and I, and Kevin Dresser have had a fun back and forth um, recently. I think Kevin Dresser started it off after the dual meets this last weekend by saying, we're going to go Panther hunting. So um, <laughs> Doug Schwab responded in kind, and it, we've had a pretty good week, pretty good week of quotes so far. Um, yeah, no, Doug Schwab is for me, you and I has been the like, I want to say they've been like a Cinderella story when it comes to wrestling. A lot of people sleep on them. They have true. I think he's built such a good caliber team to prove to people that you can't doubt them. And the performance they had in Oklahoma just proves that. And that just feeds the energy going into Friday night, not only because, you know, they've had the banter, but because now I think a lot of eyes are on both teams and really you and I that haven't been before. So Doug Schwab is <laughs> my favorite thing from last season that I remember is, and unfortunately I wasn't able to be on the floor, like I mentioned before. So I remember you and I just sat up at the, on press row and Doug Schwab is so loud. 
he is such a loud man, which is, it's fine. Like I'm not judging him at all, but it's just so funny when you look over at dresser and St. John and Matt Cav who are actually pretty composed, maybe not Metcalf because Metcalf <laughs> tends to be the one that's jumping, but dresser like is always moving. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. I have so many photos of him physically not on the ground. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but I just, the contrast of coaching in the corners is Doug Schwab is not sitting or quiet most of the time. And dresser for, you know, when I first met him, I didn't expect it, but now I'm pretty used to it. You know, it's pretty cool, pretty chill in the corner unless, you know, he needs to get up and throw a challenge brick or <laughs> something. But no, like you said, the quotes have been phenomenal. Um, one of my favorite things to look back on was last year when Dresser said he liked Schwab so much. He, I, th I think this is how he said it. He said he planned Valentine's Day around spending it with him because I think it was the 14th when they'd had that duel <laughs> and with the banter, some of the, <laughs> some of the things that have been said, like dresser said, he's going, they're going Panther hunting. And then Joel divide came in and said, if, a, if it's a war, they want, it's a war they're going to get, which this has been said on both sides. It's respectful banter. It's the yeah, trash. This is talk. One of the best rivalry trash talks you're going to get. Like both teams clearly respect each other. I actually think Kevin Dresser and Doug Schwab like each other quite a bit, but just for this rival, just for this rivalry and to build hype, they'd like to dig into their trash talk part of their being and they let it rip. And it's really, really fun. Well, and it's, <laughs> I saw some people on Twitter saying like, this isn't a rivalry, but like, it's a rivalry, especially I think this season, there is a lot on the line with Oklahoma state, the most storied, the most successful they've won. What is it? Six, the last six, seven split one with Oklahoma, but, um, big 12 titles. The, I think in general, the big 12 has never been so wide open <laughs> for uh, someone to go in and take it from Oklahoma state. Like it is this season and Iowa state, has been on the cusp of being champions. I think they've been right there and you and I is not far. They are showing that they're here to not, they're not going to go down easy. And so not only is it physically like in terms of just team standings, is this a true rivalry? But just like you said, in the banter, I wish we could play the clip, but Doug Schwab is swearing. So I don't think we should play that. But Doug was saying, like, they want to whoop us. We want to whoop them. Like, yeah. no one's going in. Everyone is going in there fully focused to tear each other apart. And this is going to be such a good duel, in my opinion. And we don't need to spend too much time on this, but. Doug said it himself when he said, you know, if we lose, we're going to, we're going to shake hands at the end of it. I'm not going to say things to their team. <laughs> I'm not going to say things to those athletes. And I think he quote unquote said, at least I have that going for me. Yeah. And I think so, unlike some other coaches, which um, may or may not be a little um, shot, if you will, at the brands brothers over in Iowa city. So if you remember at the end of the Iowa, Iowa state dual meet that didn't actually, there was no handshake. We'll say at the end of that dual meet. So Doug Schwab even got in a little jab. Um, my favorite Doug Schwab quote from his press conference that I think happened today was uh, 
him responding to Kevin Dresser's panther hunting <laughs> thing. And he's like, Oh, Kevin's got to be a little bit careful. I'll break his hip. He's an old man. Now I'll break his hip. I I'll get in trouble for that, but that's not, it's, it's what, it's what would happen. So it was just fantastic. He called Dresser an old man said he's going to break his hip. If they got into it is, uh, and that's one of those things. It was clearly all in good fun too. Like he's not actually going to go to the dual meet and try to break Kevin Dresser's hip. That was just, that was a jab at Kevin being old or older than Doug Schwab. So I was going to say, I, since the moment I started covering the team and I met Dresser, I think I asked him a question. It was in my first season. Nobody judged me. I was a terrified deer in the headlights, <laughs> figuring out my life. And I, I don't think I called him old, but I think I applied it. And he very sternly was like, I am not old. I am simply older. <laughs> <laughs> so for Doug to go in the presser this week and just say, yeah, he's an old man. It's so funny. And I can't wait to go into media availability this week on Thursday and ask for dresser to respond to that because I think we're not going to get any better, uh, sound bites from either coaches unless, you know, they're the ones in the top two going into the finals for big 12s. So dresser is going to have some gems this week. I'm excited to read those quotes. I think you got him on Thursday, right? Yep. Thursday yeah. at 3 PM. It'll be a, I think it'll be a good time. If you guys can, and I tweeted it and it's doing numbers. Um, I wasn't just dresser saying we're going Panther hunting. It was dresser literally looked straight at the camera and pointed at the camera and said, Doug Schwab, I'm coming for you. <laughs> and I feel like for the state of Iowa in general, this is so necessary um, around the sport of wrestling, not only for us who are diehards, because I'm excited for this matchup because it's going to be so physically chaotic. Cause I know even the guys who aren't supposed to win, there's no way they're not being, you know, just amped up right now to try their best to upset people. But because this type of banter and this type of relationship that Schwab and dresser have is what intrigues people who aren't really into wrestling. And I think we've seen that already. Some of the people who were responding to my uh, video or people who were liking it, I know have told me time and time again, like, I just don't get wrestling. So they're at least listening. They're at least watching the videos. And they're, like you said, it's all respectful banter. We're not going to have some throwdown um, at McLeod after, or McLeod. I don't even know how you pronounce it. I think it's it McLeod. I think you got it right. Okay. Um, I don't think there's going to be any brawl. <laughs> No, or alleged brawl after, I think it'll be a good time. At least for me, I am super excited to photograph it and cover it and be there. Um, cause it'll be, it'll be a really good, good duel. And I think it ignites something that we've been missing when you go into the Cyhawk duel, where it's not only so amped up on how much everyone just hates each other, I think as fans, <laughs> but it's just been so lopsided at the end of the day. It, it just has. And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm pumped. Like you said, these quotes are great. The energy is great. I'm not even that upset that I have to drive up to Cedar Falls. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, everything leading up to it is great. And then you get the matchup, which I think is also pretty phenomenal. We were talking, like I said earlier, two teams that went toe to toe and beat the number three team in Oklahoma state. And you can't do that without pretty good and really good top end wrestlers and up and down the lineup. There's pretty much good matches at almost every weight. 
at 125, you got um, number 18, Kyson Tarakina against number 19, Brody Teske. Uh, Brody Teske is a local product who I think originally committed to Penn State. Didn't work out there, transferred back home to UNI. Um, he's Teske has had moments where he's looked like a top 10, top five wrestler. And then he's had some weird losses like Brody Teske earlier this year, lost to Iowa state's backup 125 pounder, Corey Caban band. So he's had some weird losses. He's had some good wins. Um, so that's going to be a fun matchup for Kyson. Obviously Kyson's coming off some really, really good matches, beating two top six opponents, in another NCAA qualifier. So that's a good one at 133. You got Kyle. Oh boy. That's a tough last name. Biscoglia at for you and I, he's number 18. Then you got Ramazan Adesaya for Iowa state. Who's number 27. That's one of those where Ramazan could really announce himself as a guy like, Hey, I should be ranked or when has me ranked. I should be in that number 15 range. So that'll be a good one. 141, Ian Parker, obviously top eight guy. And then for you and I, Kel Happ, who was ranked 23. That should be a pretty comfortable win for Ian Parker. Ian Parker is not one of those wrestlers who's going to win handily or by major decision all the time. He's a guy who's going to get a couple takedowns and ride for three or four minutes and win a match six to two. And that's just the, the six to two is Ian Parker's version of dominating because he doesn't get turns. He doesn't do those types of things. So um, that's, I think those should be some good matches. 149 should be a comfortable Iowa state win for Jarrett Dagan. 157 is where I really think Iowa state has to get some bonus points in this uh, dual meet. David Carr has an unranked guy. I think in Jacob Holschlag and that's one where David, I think at minimum should win by major decision. I think he should win by tech fall. Um, especially if Iowa state really wants to take control of the dual meet. Um, one sixty-five. you got Austin Yant, who's number 12. He's going against Isaac judge who intermat has ranked number 31. That's going to be a tough one for Iowa state. Um, judge has shown he's capable of competing against guys like Austin Yant. It'll just be whether or not he can put it together that day and do it. Uh, 174, you got Lance Runyon, who's ranked number 20 for you and I. And then you got Joel Devine, who's ranked number 25. Joel fell in the rankings. He used to be number 15, but getting pinned by, quote unquote, a guy who sucked, um, <laughs> threw him down the rankings a little bit. So that's one where Joel can get himself back up to where he thinks he should be. Um, and then 184 is probably the match of the night. That's going to be an incredible match. You got number four, Parker Keckheisen from you and I. And then number seven, Marcus Coleman from Iowa state and Jackie, we can talk about this one because I think this is going to be an incredible match. Um, two guys who have squarely put themselves in all American caliber discussions. Um, it, this should be, this is the match of the night to me. And I think it may, might decide the dual meet too. This is going to be a great match. Well, and I think the thing with Marcus is, you know, like I said earlier, he's on his, you know, 12 straight win this weekend to close it out. He obviously is feeling himself. He's pinning guys. He coaches speaking highly of how he has finally figured out that he is Marcus Coleman and he's good. Marcus said himself, what triggered this was that he was tired of losing. Well, now he's got a number four guy. This is where you have to back up everything we've been talking about. Everything that he's done up until this moment is going to matter. And if he can walk out of this weekend with the win, I think it'll set a major tone of just how far he can really go. And I mean, from the, 
from his overall just demeanor, I think he definitely is going into this weekend thinking he can win. But I mean, so is his opponent. So I think this, I think this weekend's really going to separate him. And if he loses, I'm not saying that's going to somehow suddenly define him. He's going to lose. He's there goes his all American. (laughs) Like, like I'm not saying that if he loses this weekend, it's going to just plummet his stock the rest of the season. But I think just who he's, is leading up to this weekend. I think this could be an important match for him to just show yeah. how, I guess, I don't want to say how good he is, but how good he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. How good he can be for sure. Um, and just to give a little bit of perspective on Parker Kekheisen and his season, um, he beat Dakota gear by a major decision, 12 to three Dakota gears from Oklahoma state. Um, Marcus Coleman also beat Dakota gear relatively handily, not he only beat him by decision. So, uh, Keck Heisen obviously performed really well there. And then in the one loss Keck Heisen has on this season, it was to number two, Aaron Brooks of Penn state in a three to two decision. That's a tough way to lose obviously. And to be that close to a Penn state guy, the number two guy in the country, it really just goes to show how good Parker is. And at the very beginning of the season at the Dactronics open, which was Iowa state's first tournament of the year, most people in the Northern part of the United States, their first tournament of the year. Um, Ted Kaisen did beat Marcus Coleman eight to four, but I think it's tough to take away a lot from that early season tournament. Um, just because guys are just getting used to the weight. It's the first weight cut of the year and guys might not be feeling themselves as much. So I'm not sure how much you can really how much stock you can put into that eight to four decision, but um, it did happen. So I think it is something to talk about. And I'm curious um, how the coaches will want the lineup to look um, in terms of what weight they're going to start. Yeah. Uh, Dresser had the dual start this weekend at 165. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case this weekend, but I, I would not be surprised if they come to terms with a lopsided start just because the dramatics of this weekend alone are high. And I think if you can flip it to where we end the night with, yeah, if you start at one ninety seven, start yeah, at 97 and end at 84. Yeah. I think that could be huge, but obviously that depends on what Doug Schwab will feel will benefit him the most, but and yeah. how everyone kind of decides, but I would not be surprised if we don't start at one twenty five. Yeah. 25. I could definitely see just do traditional. I think for big dual meets going traditional makes a lot of sense. Um, but dresser is also known to, as a promoter, start at weird weights. If you want to call them weird weights. I remember for Willie Miklas, his last match against Missouri dresser started it at heavyweight. So Willie Miklas at 197 could end. Obviously Willie started at Missouri. He had to transfer to Iowa state. Um, because his dad got really sick with uh, MS. So, unfortunately, Willie's dad died and transferred to Iowa State to be closer to home. And in his last dual meet against Missouri, Dresser let him wrestle last. So, Dresser's not opposed at all to putting on a show and making sure the marquee match goes last. So, 125 is probably the most likely starting point, but I could see them starting at 97. And especially if this dual meet ends up being as close as we think it is, ending at 84 could be electric. Yeah. And you know, (laughs) I have to, uh, I will bring this up, but 
I mean, obviously these two coaches care about putting on a product that mm-hmm. is worth the promotion and is worth the hype. And Doug Schwab showed us, what was it this week or was it last? It was last week. He made it very clear in another presser that he didn't feel Iowa State you and I was being promoted enough. And I feel like when you have that chip on your shoulder, that this is more important than some people are making it out to be, you're going to pull the strings, not really the strings, but pull the weight yourself to make this be worth the time. And something like changing up the start weight, I think could be something, but again, that's just a speculating for all we know, we'll start at 125 and it'll be a normal duel, but <laughs> we can hope we can hope, but yeah. So then at 97, if it does start there, or even if it doesn't, you have younger Bastida who is ranked 14 and like Kyson Tarakina, how is younger Bastida ranked 14? He should be ranked higher than that. Um, he's got an unranked guy. I don't think that, I don't think it's going to be air force in West Virginia type of overmatched, but it should be the type of overmatched where younger Bastida wins by a major decision or something in that range. Um, and then at heavyweight, we have Sam Schuyler uh, for Iowa state who was ranked number 21. And then interestingly, Tyrell Gordon, who was at 197 last year for you and I bumped up to heavyweight and he, Carter Isley came back for his senior season, who was you and I's heavyweight and Carter Isley and Gannon Gremmel had some good matches over the years, but Tyrell Gordon beat out Carter Isley. And now Tyrell Gordon is the heavyweight. So he's unranked currently, but he has the talent to be a really good wrestler. So that heavyweight should be a pretty good matchup as well. Definitely exciting to have Sam have an opponent that is physically near to comparison to him since it's definitely been a trip watching him wrestle very big heavyweights. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to go back to Yonger's match, when you compare the two, I was looking at their performances against Oklahoma state. You and I lost four to one and Yonger won that one 18 to six. Oof. So maybe it will I, be a tech fall again. I have it in my prediction. I have it as a major decision. <laughs> I think I do too. Yeah. Well, you just, you let the cat out of the bag there. We both made predictions for these. You and I dual meet. Which we can share in a moment. Cause I want to make another point with yeah. younger again. You know, it's funny for grapple side, uh, <laughs> uh, call us out about forgetting about younger. Cause I feel like we spend so much time talking about him, but in a, so at least selfishly, I can't imagine the energy and the monster that he is in Hilton. Um, I can't imagine what he's going to be like at you and I, where I think the energy is going to be very different compared to the other matches they've had on the road, mostly because I've never been to Oklahoma state in Oklahoma state duel. So I'm not going to pretend I know what the energy was like, or because all I saw was what I saw on TV but I just, I'm excited to see how younger reacts or really like how, how he, how the energy like impacts him. You know, I think as much as some athletes want to say it doesn't really phase us, I think to a certain degree it can. And if McLeod can get to the point, it feels like in West gym, which honestly at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if the energy is just like it is in West gym. I think it'll be even more interesting if we have these two types of results for each individual against Oklahoma state. And then just like the, you know, how they've been hyped up to go in to face each other in this duel. 
So I feel like it's just going to be really chaotic in a good way. <laughs> hey, I'm, and I'm excited. I, I love chaos. I'll bring it on. I just think it's very different from competing in your home arena and then going to a different arena. And I For think sure. McLeod will be a very different experience than what he's experienced thus far. Um, but we can definitely go into our predictions. Ben, how would you like to, do we want to go match by match or just tell them our team scores? Cause I also looked up the last year's team, the final score from last year. And it was on Valentine's day. Nice. We did indeed spend Valentine's day together at Hilton Coliseum. <laughs> um, and yeah. Iowa state won that one 23 to 17, 23 to 17. Okay. Hmm. So that's higher scoring than I have. And it could, it could happen. I have a lot of things by decision. So if there's a lot of major decisions or not a lot, but even a few major decisions or things that we don't quite expect a few pins here and there. Um, yeah, that can really skyrocket the score, but we can go match by match. Uh, 125. I have Kyson Terakina winning by decision. I do as well. <laughs> 33. I have uh, Kyle Biscaglia winning by decision over Ramazan Adesayev. I do as well. You and I, um, nope, I have Ian at 141 winning by decision. I also have him winning by decision, but I wouldn't be surprised if he goes for more. Like I could see it in this duel. Yep. And then 149, Jarrett Degan. I have winning by decision. I'm going to change that to major decision. I think he gets a major decision against, um, who's the guy? I forget his name. Sorry, you and I, 149 pounder. I forgot your name. Uh, Colin. Colin, you're right. Colin um, Robudo? Something like that. That's really close. It's definitely Colin. It is Colin. Yeah. So I, I got, have, I'm going to say Dagan major decision over Colin. Okay. I have Jarrett winning it by a decision. Then Carr, uh, I have him tech fall over um, Holschlag. Yeah, I have him at a tech fall. 65, Austin Yant, I have major decision over, um, um, I almost just said Logan Brittenbach. That is a name <laughs> I had not thought about in a long, long time. But his name is Isaac Judge. Where did that even come from? Logan Brittenbach. He's the former 165 pounder when I started covering wrestling. I was going to say that was even before me. Yeah. He did not like me, but that's okay. That's neither here nor there. That's a conversation for a different time. You know, I, okay. I, that is interesting. <laughs> um, at 165, I have Isaac judge losing by a decision. And I'm just going to stand firm in my, some of these guys have shown that if you can't win, at least you can lose respectfully to help your team. And I think if Isaac can't turn it in its favor, he'll keep it to a decision. I think that's fair. Just because uh, he, like you said, he's, he just truly puts us through an up and down and he is capable of it. I think he could surprise capable. us. I think he could surprise us and win, but I'll just go with my safe loss and a decision. Yeah. 174, I have Lance Runyon beating Joel Devine. I am not confident at all in that prediction, but that's what I have. I have him losing um, in a decision, and I have that one as my biggest toss-up because I I am very all over the board with how I feel that will go. 
Yeah, I'm 100% with you. 184, I have Parker Kekheisen beating Marcus Coleman for the second time this year. Again, I think that one could probably go either way, especially if the Marcus Coleman we've seen recently shows up. Um, he was not, I don't think he's going to pin Kekheisen. That's not going to happen, probably. But Marcus Coleman has been wrestling really, really well, and I'm not sure how much weight you can put in that match they had earlier in the year. So um, this, like I said earlier, by far, without a doubt, the marquee matchup of this dual meet. The only reason I have Marcus Coleman losing in my prediction is solely based on how they both beat Dakota gear. Mm -hmm. uh, Parker had a more convincing, uh, dominant win. It was a major decision. Like you said earlier, 12 to three and Marcus only beat Dakota gear by, um, in an eight to three win. That's the only reason I'm predicting it that way. But I do think, like you said, I a hundred percent agree that this is going to be the match to watch. And obviously selfishly, we, I should say, I should say we, I believe you want him to win. I would like Marcus to continue his win streak, especially over you and I. Yeah. And then 187, I have currently younger Bastida winning by major decision. I'm thinking about changing that to tech fall. I'm going to keep major decision, but I could easily see that one younger Bastida one of those matches where he gets four takedowns the first two periods and then really opens it up in the third period when the, his opponent is just feeling defeated and feeling gas from getting taken down and feeling um, younger strength and explosiveness for the first five minutes of the match. I have him winning. By, major uh, yeah. I have him by major decision, but like you said, he is again, the Oklahoma state duels are the best way I've been able to kind of compare for how I feel about it. And younger had a very convincing win at Oklahoma state, but I'm going to keep it at major decision for me. Yeah. And then heavyweight. Um, I have Sam Schuyler winning by decision. You're not going to get bonus points unless it's a pin at heavyweight. And I don't see a pin have happening to either one of the guys. So for me, I have Sam Schuyler beating Tyler Gordon by decision. I also have a decision. So final scores, I have Iowa State. I'm doing math real quick. I have Iowa State 22 to, ooh, ooh, I don't know. I might be wrong about this. I have Iowa State winning 22 to 12. I don't feel confident in that now that I see that number. But uh, I was going to say, that was my original number. <laughs> well, that's what I got to just now. So. Um, I could see, right. So I have Iowa state winning six of the matches. I have you and I winning four of them. I have Iowa state getting more bonus points at more weights. Um, I'm not convinced about all those bonus points, but I am convinced about most of them. So I think it's going to come down to if Austin Yant can really open it up and actually I have him winning by major. So it's 22 to 13 is what I have. But if Austin Yant can really open it up against Isaac judge, that can change things. If Lance Runyon looks really good, that could change things. If if Parker Kekheisen really shows he's one of those top two, three guys in the nation against Marcus Coleman, I don't think that should be anything more than a decision, but uh, Kekheisen's really, really good. So then Brody Teske's good on top. You can't over overlook Brody Teske at 125. He's good at top. If Kyson Terrakeen has a tough time on bottom, I could see Teske getting a few turns and making that a dis major decision. So 
Um, right now I have pretty much all decisions except for Yant for you and I, but I could see that changing. And then I did give a few, I think only one toss up to you and I, but, um, yeah. So I have Iowa state winning six out of the four. And then I have Iowa state winning 22 to 13 or six out of the 10. I have Iowa state winning six out of the 10, then winning overall 22 to 13. I have my final score 21 to 12. Okay. So we have the same and, margin, just different bonus points. Yep. Cause I have you and I not scoring any bonus points, which I think is a, I think can be a, I think someone in you and on the United team is going to get bonus points. Someone will. I just think like, like we said, I think uh, 174 is a toss up. And yeah, 174 is a toss up. 125 is a toss up. Um, 33 could be convincingly you and I, um, but yeah, no, it's up and down. I think it's going to be a pretty good dual meet. I think the problem that I see with you and I's lineup is they have major holes at 149 and 157 and 197. And those are arguably Iowa state's strongest weights. I mean, you got David Carr, younger Bastida and Jarrett Dagan, who's a two-time all American. He might be ranked in the twenties right now, but we've all seen Jarrett Dagan be an all American. So arguably Iowa state's three out of the four strongest weights and you and I as quote unquote holes at those weights. So if you and I can really step up at those weights and make those decisions or even maybe an upset, which I don't see happening, but let's say something weird happens. And one of those gets upset like Jarrett Dagan or something, then that suddenly becomes that, that changes the whole dual meet if something like that happens. Well, and Dagan said it this weekend after we were just asking him, reflecting back on his season, he made a point to bring up that for him, you and I, he hasn't been able to beat them. So I would hope that, you know, when you're in your final season, like this is it, there is, you don't get next year. So I hope he's walking into this, just ready to, as they all say, let it fly and can pull out another major decision win. Cause I think if both, Bonus points always matter and you always want them. But I think in this scenario, if they have ever mattered, it's going to be in this match where it could, the overall duel could go either way. Um, so I think if like Jarrett can pull a major decision win, that would be. That'd awesome. go a long way. I agree. And yeah, I'm trying to look. Yeah, I think if Jarrett can pull that. Um, if younger can do younger things and just pull a tech fall, that would be huge. I think if those guys could get bonus points, that could almost just seal it. Yeah. I think it wouldn't matter. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I think younger is almost guaranteed bonus points. Uh, I think it's just a matter of, is it going to be a major decision or tech fall? And right now I think I predicted tech fall. So, um, we'll stick with that, but even a major decision would be helpful, but a tech fall would really start to separate him because I don't, I'm not sure anyone on you and I has tech fall capability against the opponents they have from Iowa state. So I, I think, think that's going to be agree. big because I, I, probably you and I is going to get an upset that we aren't expecting uh, just because it's going to be in McLeod. It's going to be loud. It's going to be a really cool environment. Like you already mentioned. And we'll see what athletes do and don't do under pressure. And sometimes weird things can happen in environments like that. Right. In which I'm leaning it, I'm leaning towards, um, the loss, this uh, loss that would happen that could surprise me. I could see it being at 125. 
Hmm. But that's just because I want to believe that I'm wrong <laughs> in my prediction about Marcus Coleman. But that's just me being a total homer and wanting Marcus Coleman to come out the winner. I mean, pinning machine out here this weekend and then on his 12th straight, I just feel like your attitude and just like how high you have to feel on yourself has to just push you over the edge when you go into something like this, especially when you have people like us and probably other um, media people saying like on paper, Marcus Coleman's going to lose this. Yeah. And that's one of dressers. That's one of the first things I remember that first year. That's one of the first things he said is, and other coaches have said this too. This isn't an exclusive dresser thing, but matches aren't wrestled on paper. So Jackie and I just gave our predictions of based on what happens on paper, but matches aren't wrestled on paper and weird things always happen. Yeah. Especially, like I said, my heart rate is, I did not have an Apple watch back then, but if I had an Apple watch the last time I was in the West gym, I'm not kidding you. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like 120, 130. <laughs> And that's just because I get very easily overwhelmed, which is funny since, you know, I work in sports, but it is just insane, which is why I will be getting there early so I can park myself and be situated. So, you know, in the end, we have our predictions, but I think it'll go, it, it's going to be all over the place, which is exciting. This is a good thing, but in the end, as much as chaotic as it's going to be, I still think Iowa State comes out the winner regardless. I think so too. And it, it's because like I mentioned a little bit earlier, the holes that you and I has in their lineup, Iowa state doesn't quite have as many holes or as big of holes. So um, I think that's going to be the main difference. The, the ranked matchups are going to be incredible across the board. I think every ranked matchup is going to be fantastic. It's those holes where you and I just doesn't quite stack up. That I think is going to be the difference. Especially when, you know, like most of these predictions I made are by decision. Um, Iowa State's guys have shown that they can win certain matches, even where they're not necessarily the most heavily favored person in the match, that they can still come out and score bonus points. So, like, yeah. I could still see Kaisen Tarakina going into this match and getting a bonus point win. That would be huge. If he could do that, that would, especially if they start at 125, that'd set the tone and that put you and I behind an eight ball. Because I think if you talk to Doug Schwab, Doug would be expecting to win that match. He would expect Brody Teske to win. And he might even expect Brody Teske to win by um, bonus points because Teske is good on top and he does have mm -hmm. a little bit of a turn combination that he can do. So um, if Kyson is able to go out and get bonus points against a guy like Teske, I have, I have, Tarakina winning, but, um, I don't think that would be a common thought over in Cedar falls. No. And I'm sure, I'm sure plenty of people feel that way as well, but I just think when you look back over some of his matches and the way he's performing, it's one of those, I think it, it takes me back to when you asked coach, when you went to availability, which I don't know if I've told you on the podcast, thank you so much for doing that. You're welcome. Um, it was just, it was an important duel and I couldn't be there. So I had to make sure someone was there. Um, I was trying, I told Ryan this, um, it was either you could go or sweet Connor Ferguson could go. <laughs> and I love Connor to death, but I'm just trying to imagine Connor talking to dresser. So I'm not sure Connor would do fantastic in a wrestling environment. Yeah. <laughs> 
even if you don't know what you're talking about, you have to go in there and act like, you know, what you're talking about. You have to have a, a confidence in a wrestling room. Hey, Connor, Connor, the other day impressed me. He named four NCAA wrestlers. Good for him. I know. I was very proud. <laughs> um, but Oh, like I was saying, it takes me back to when you asked him if Jester was surprised about how his team was performing. And he just looked at you and said, Nope, <laughs> like, Nope. And I think when you can answer it, you know, just pretty confidently, cause he's obviously seeing things that, you know, none of us are seeing, we don't see what these guys are like in the practice room and how they're responding to things off the mat. And I think this is one of those duels where, yeah, we're keeping it to a decision because there's talent on both sides that will push each other to, like we've said, if you can't win the duel, at least the match, at least hold your opponent to only a decision win. But I think some of these guys could really surprise you and I. And I think in Kaisen Tarakina's case, I think he could surprise everyone. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, Iowa State's backup, Corey Cabanban, beat Brody Teske. So that's that says a lot. Teske's come a long way. And like I've mentioned, he's had some top-ranked wins, but it's about consistency with him. And we'll see which Brody Teske shows up. For sure. This is going to be a, a good, good, good match. I don't know how many times you can say that. <laughs> Never enough. It's going to be a fantastic match. Fantastic dual meet. If you're able to go out to McLeod center over in Cedar falls on Friday, um, it's going to be incredible to watch. I think if you're a high school wrestler or high school coach, you get in for free. Is that a promotion I saw? Yes. Um, you and I put it out, um, which I think is a really cool thing that, Dresser's done the same thing. Um, I remember when I was in high school, we, our coaches would try and take us to some of the collegiate duels, um, just cause it was important, you know, to have the guys see what, what they could strive for. Um, and I mean, I was a manager. It was just exciting to be in that environment, but yes, you and I did put out the tweet, um, the promotion that youth and high school wrestlers can get in for free. There you go. So go watch a, a dual meet against two top teams. I mean, and they're both state of Iowa. It'll be, it's a fantastic rivalry. If dresser and Schwab haven't convinced you with their banter alone, hopefully Jackie and I convinced you with breaking down those lineups and breaking down some predictions and how good this dual meet should be. And I mean, Iowa state currently still number five is also currently undefeated in the big 12. That's huge. That's really impressive. Really so, impressive. So Iowa State is going into this either coming out still at the top of the conference or with their first loss. So, and Doug Schwab is an intense man, and I'm—I <laughs> mean, like you said, he's ready to break <laughs> Dresser's hip, and he's <laughs> definitely, definitely ready to break that win streak in the Big Twelve. So, um, yes, definitely a good one. Ben, any final thoughts? No, I think we covered it all in great detail. So I'm, I'm happy for sure. Well, like I said earlier, I got my credential approval this morning, so I will be at UNI. Um, I'm really excited. Uh, unlike in the West gym where we couldn't really be Matt side, I will be physically Matt side this time. Um, so I'll definitely get pictures. I'll definitely get videos and I will be tweeting the dual, um, from the Cyclone Fanatic accounts, so make sure to follow that if you haven't already. I'm sure you have if you're listening to this. Um, 
But other than that, I think unfortunately the duel isn't on ESPN Plus. I think it's on Flow Wrestling. Hmm, that is disappointing. So we can get into Flow Wrestling. We could we could spend another thirty minutes talking about Flow Wrestling, but we won't. We'll we won't this, this time, but it is unfortunately on Flow Wrestling. Uh, so I will do my best to provide as many updates. Everyone, um, go follow Jackie on Twitter. <laughs> yes, and that is unfortunate. I am curious why that is, but anyways, Ben, or go to the so- dual meet. Go to <laughs> yeah, dual meet. or ultimately just go to Cedar Falls. It's not that far of a drive. Let's be honest. What else is what else is everyone doing on a Friday night? Nothing. This will be my whole day. I'm going up there early. So that sounds like a wonderful, wonderful start to a weekend. Hey, I I have developed this is a hard side note to everyone, but I developed a friendship with Doug Schwab's wife. Oh, Allison? Yes, Allison yeah. Schwab. If you guys don't know who that is, Allison married to Doug Schwab. She is great photographer. She's a huge advocate for the sport. Um, not, not even in a, Oh, she's the coach's wife, but truly she's just a huge advocate for the sport. Um, their kids, this is will come no surprise to anyone, but both their sons are in wrestling. Their daughters are awesome to follow on their twin daughters. They're little girls. I don't, I can't remember how old they are. They're like four, maybe five. Oh gosh. They are a great wrestling family. And Allison is definitely like a big advocate of supporting women in wrestling. And her and I have developed a friendship over Twitter over the past few past year, past two years. So that's awesome. It's good when Twitter can bring good things to light. Yes, exactly. doesn't always happen, but I'm glad it can. No, but in, in wrestling, it can sometimes I won't pretend wrestling Twitter isn't dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but anyways, yes, follow, follow Cycling Fanatic, follow me on Twitter since I will be there live, but also follow Ben Visser on Twitter. Um, thank you guys. And again, thank you so much to our new sponsors, Fairway. We cannot thank you guys enough for supporting what we do. Um, especially the fact that it's, you know, wrestling to have such a big, big brand like Fairway be huge wrestling fans. And especially Iowa state wrestling fans is really important to us. So thank you to Fairway. And again, thank you guys for joining us. We look forward to next week and yeah, just tweet us and tweet at us any questions.